Hey everyone, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tillo, and on this week's podcast, I'll obviously catch everyone up on the two divisions we have, the exciting race going on in D2, and notably now the top four race getting very interesting as a couple teams currently in the hunt to keep up with Chelsea dropping points. And Chelsea themselves did drop points uh, this last week, but as I'll get into, it really made zero effect because they did and were able to continue what has been this immaculate season so far. So before we take, I cut you to the music and we get to the D1 part of the podcast and all that yada yada, I'd just like to say thank you everyone for listening as always. I'd like to thank my producers, Joey and Aaron. You guys constantly keep things in perspective and even though you don't think you always help all the time, the things we talk about, they are used for the show. So those guys definitely do a good job and it is very fluid and easy for everyone and that's how we want to keep it. In order to keep that, though, we need you guys' feedback. And at the San Pedro FIFA League on Instagram, I will today, and yes, the podcast will come out on Wednesday. Um, Today I'm recording it and editing it, yada, yada, yada. But I will be doing it as throughout the day. There will be a poll-up that I have been thinking about doing, but I really want to hear what you guys think on who do you think between the teams that currently sit 13th through 17th, who is going to be in the playoff, and... I think this is a good poll question. I'll obviously post it in the manager's page uh, to really get insight around the league and who everyone thinks should be up there or who, sh- who they think is going to go down into that playoff matchup. Obviously, D2 has their own say on it as well as far as who's going to be playing these guys, but who do you think is going to sit in those spots? Because we do have an interesting battle going on to survive that. So look for that poll. Obviously, We've kind of slipped on the, ma- the the manager and player of the month. The reason why. Now, I know that some people are going to be like, whoa, whoa, we kind of missed out on that. You know, why did we miss out on that? Listen, I felt that because of how bad last month was and the voting and people just exponentially missing the point. And they missed the point of what that, re- that award's supposed to go for. You're rewarding your peers. You know, yeah, I mean not have any monetary value in the league, so you probably don't care as much about it, but, you know, I don't get anything from this podcast, right? So, but yeah, I do it, and we see people have fun with it, right? You know, Team of the Month, Serge has had a hard time putting it together because he just feels like, all right, like, people are going to always kind of have an opinion, and that's part of doing these things. Don't get me wrong. You guys are going to disagree with us. But because of how bad the voting was, I'm not punishing you. I just don't trust you right now. And I I think that's a fair assessment of where we're at in the league as far as the voting for those things. However, at the end of this month, it will be back. We You guys will get a September Player of the Month, um, unless I've said otherwise. I don't remember or recalling saying that on any of the podcasts. I don't always listen to all my podcasts. Um, but in this instant, I will I feel just like we need a break from it. And we could come back to it come September. Obviously, we'll get more involved with Team of the Month. Serge is working on it. I'm sure he'll post it sooner rather than later. Anyways, let's get to the podcast. I have, I mean, I, I just feel like we have a lot to talk about and a lot to anticipate for. So I hope you guys really enjoy this one. So, of course, uh, as I start this podcast, as I've told you, let's start with D1. And the reason why I'm starting with D1 this week is the amount of games you lot have played. You guys have done a good job, especially when everyone thinks you're not going to play games or they, I think there's an anticipation of someone's going to post something at some point. 
and then all of you. I, I literally my phone was flooded this last week of games, and that and that's a good sight for for us not only doing the podcast but for people on the board, and that's a good sign. Everybody wants to see you guys playing games, and we got that. Let's get into one result I thought was really interesting. We got Chelsea looking to hold on to their nine point lead coming into this game against Liverpool. It's a 2-2 draw. Dybala and Thiago getting goals for Chelsea. Insigne getting the double for Liverpool. Kovacic with two very important assists. Coutinho with one for Liverpool. There were no cards or injuries in this game. But, once again, Chelsea don't need the possession to dominate the shots and the shots on target. Um, obviously, this game ends in a tie. But four corners, a lot of opportunity. Liverpool did something that's out of the normal, though, against a team in the top four. For only the second time this season, Liverpool have out-tackled a team that sits in the top four in one of their matches, 8-6 to six in this game. I thought that was a very interesting thing. I was trying to look for some cool stats for Liverpool against the top four. They haven't all been that good this year compared to last year. Uh, but Liverpool, a team that did loan out Firmino, this is an, a result, in my opinion, lose, using Insigne at striker to get this kind of result, uh, I think is a very confident move or a confident boosting move. Uh, for a team that needs it. Before I get on to more Chelsea results, Wolves 2, Tottenham 1, Kane getting a goal for Tottenham, but Deli Alley and Jovic, Mr. Army Knife there, consistently getting stuff done for Wolves. They'll take the W on this and all three points. Uh, both teams had the same amount of shots and shots on target. Uh, Wolves just being a little bit more clinical in this. I talked to Aaron about this. Obviously, he's he works on the podcast. Uh, he did give compliments to Andrew, saying there's a versatile attack here. You know, yes, I don't have the best back line, but there is a presence of when Andrew goes forward, he does have a front four uh, and six at some time, six players going forward that it's hard to defend. He kind of leaves you, you know, guessing. And these two teams I've met before, you know, they met in the FA Cup in the group stage, and we watched a terrific game that was very important that Tottenham won on a rebound goal. These teams are very similar, in my opinion, in the sense that they kind of don't meet their potential all the way. Uh, I, I would like to see Wolves probably go a little bit higher in the table when this is all said and done. Uh, they haven't really performed that, but this win does turn them in that direction. As for Tottenham, listen, they're, they're trying to fix the defense. I talked about this on last podcast. They The moves they made in the window, it's progressive, and it, it's going to get better, but this, you know, we're going to have to wait till the offseason to really see what Aaron could bring to the table because losing 2-1 is okay to a team like Wolves who could definitely score goals. But I think you start to question, you look at Andrew's record and goals allowed, Tottenham have top scorers on their team with Erickson and Kane who have, you know, and maybe teams are zeroing in on that. Who who knows? Maybe Andrew this game just was the more clinical one. I mean, if you look at Aaron's track record this year, not many teams have beat him. Uh, I would say it's, it's, it's just one of those things that just because people aren't beating you um, doesn't mean you can't tie, doesn't mean you can't lock down the defense and he has a tendency to overcommit to one thing uh in this case defense late in games especially when the tie is there to play for and let's get on to another game in which listen i'm not trying to be critical of one person I, i'm i'm usually i tend to not want to be that way i see people in, in the media and you know real sports get really critical for no reason but the Neymar era started with LAFC this, this last week, and Houston Dynamo didn't give a damn as they not only picked up five corners in this game, they also recorded 15 tackles on 20 shots, 11 targets. They also scored three goals. 
And with all that attacking talent that LAFC does possess, they did get 12 shots, 10 on target. But it didn't matter. They only scored one time. So maybe this is an anomaly game for LAFC, who I will talk about later on in this segment. But Houston Dynamo, and I, you know, I talked about you in, to you guys in the intro about that poll. Houston Dynamo are part of that poll discussion. And this victory right here, Against a team that I like as a top six team when it's all said and done, if they can reach their max potential, AG's got to feel good. I, you know, I, it's funny. I talked to AG ironically two days ago, and he was asking, like, who's going down? You know, how does that work? And I, and I told AG that I like his chances of staying up. You know, like only four are potentially going to go down. You know, we get the automatic three who come up. And in this case, because Roma are out, we get... Two that automatically go down. There's a free spot basically uh, for you know to fill. You need to have 20 in the top division. So upon hearing this news, I go and I check my Facebook and I see that he gets this W, um, and I see him get a couple other results. This is kind of out of the ordinary, but as I'll get to his next result, which wasn't good news, this is a good start. I, I think LAFC are a really good team. And Houston have not. They literally have been a retirement home this whole season. The fact that three points are coming their way on 20 shots, I think that's a sign that AG will look at. He's obviously got a very aggressive team, uh, the way his style sets up. And the thing is with Edison is that he is an aggressive player too, but in this case he got out-muscled. I mean, that, that's just what it looks like. You know, you look at on paper here. I mean, AG wasn't all that great in the, pa- in the shoot, you know, as far as his accuracy goes, 55% hit target basically and you look at LAFC's like they were kind of efficient 82% passing 83% shot accuracy it's not like they were that far off the game just didn't go their way you almost feel though with Neymar on this team can they still get goals like this is a team that uses grit and they're not really a super finesse type of team I think the finesse type part of the team is with Ben Yedder and and you know holding up that kind of style of play, and he's the one true guy on their team. And maybe it's going to take Edison the rest of this month to master playing with Neymar. This is a reason I didn't like this move. You have to get a, you know, you have to get accustomed to a world class player playing on your left, right, or down the middle. Like he's going to play in the attack, which is why I didn't like this move for LAFC. It's not a sign of disrespect. I actually really like Edison. I like his attitude towards a lot of things. This was and might could and very well could be a big mistake going forward for a very good team. Uh, I think that LAFC is a good team, but we'll see how this one holds up. Speaking of trying to hold up, and in this case, if you're BVB, you're just trying to get your head above water for once, and they kind of pulled away. They're going to be part of that pull discussion. But a big 3-1 loss to Spurs. Royce getting two with Erickson adding on. Erickson an assist as well. Hulk, the lone goal for BVB. Dominated possession, BVB. Dominated the shots. But it's what you do with that possession just clearly wasn't enough against a Spurs team who love to play on the break. It gets the thought process of, I have the ball longer than you. How am I going to break you down? Once Aaron and Tottenham don't have to think about that, he tends to play better. His team tends to, you know, get into a more flowy type of attitude. We're just going with it. Whatever the defense gives us, we'll try and do it. Obviously, you guys saw that backheel goal. I... It's fantastic. You can't be mad at that. But 
if I'm Wayne and I'm trying to get out and you're seeing AG post these results before you and you're like, shit, I really got to get it together. This team has not played defense all year. I, I said on the last podcast about their window, they got to get out of this area. They want to get, they want to, I'm sure Wayne doesn't want to finish here, uh, you know, towards the bottom or in the playoff. You don't want to take that risk. He's been in the playoff before, but you don't want to risk that and then hope that someone else is going to fail. Yes, don't get me wrong, AG hasn't been consistent all year. Ryan and Kashima are a travesty at the moment, but don't take the risk that Ryan gets hot or that AG gets hot, and then now you got to you go into the playoff and they get to watch you go in there. I, I don't know what to say much more for Wayne. He was really good for a little bit there. Um, a 3-1 loss against Tottenham, a team that, like I said, does play very well on the break. It's an unfortunate result. Wayne's going to have to bounce back. All right, back to Chelsea, because as I'm reading this, I'm just scrolling up on the results page. Um, but you got Chelsea 3, Augsburg nil. Ronaldo gets two more with Salah getting a goal and assist. Kovacic adding on. Augsburg shut out in this match. This is only the, I think this is the first time they've been shut out by a top four team. They've done pretty well uh, to get at least a goal in those games where they play these top teams. And Chris did something very interesting. You know, he obviously posted the player ratings. You're looking at that setup. Right, if I don't know if anyone caught this, look how deep Paulo Dybala is playing, and I don't know if that's like an accident on FIFA's part, or Chris just did it really quickly. He changed the tactics uh, to you know maybe play more counterattacking or something. He he changed something. That's possible, but Ronaldo sitting behind Wilfred Zaha, and the only substitute on the day was Michael Antonio. So what you're telling me is that Paulo Dybala is playing a deep defensive mid position with Kovacic and no one's been able to break that down. I assume it's more Thiago is on, you know, in a deeper position. Dybala is actually up the pitch and maybe the game just glitched. Who knows? But even if that's the case, you're playing two guys at attacking mid and no one's able to counterattack him back. That's a little bit of credit towards Chris. Don't get me wrong. But if he, he's just so menacing when he goes forward. Um, in this game, though, didn't have possession again. I mean, it's it's like he doesn't even need it. I mean, obviously, right? We've all seen the season he has. I'm just more so surprised with the lack thereof of goals against him. Because, no offense, I don't feel like Zagadou and Jonathan Tall are that pacey and I, I know there are very physical players, but even Gamboa, like, what is this guy? How is no one trying to force the ball down a certain side and get Chris to play away and force maybe Salah to play some defense? Like, I don't know if people have these tactics in their brains when they're playing the game, but just an opinion from someone who's going to be in D2 next year and doesn't have to deal with Chris. And I'm just saying, maybe work the ball down that right hand or his right hand side, your left hand side. And I understand not everyone has top-end wingers, but you know maybe work that ball down that side and get Salah to come back and play defense. I would want Paulo Dybala, if he's playing defensive mid, to run his ass all around the park because he doesn't have great stamina. I, w I don't mind Kovacic having to play defense against me either because guess what? If he can't go up, he can't create. And that's just something that, um, you know, because Chris doesn't need possession so much, I'm really curious to see how you guys attack him. I would really hope to see him in at least one showcase game if he agreed upon it just to see... How this team is kind of reacting to all the possession that you guys seem to have. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, this is only like 54%. It's not that much of a toll. But very curious to watch what this Chelsea team does because they seem to score a ton of goals and they don't even need the ball for that long. Now, as the Undertaker's uh, theme music starts to play, Porto seemed to wake up. A 3-2 uh, result against Juventus, who have been very good all season. Very surprising result. Porto might be trying to punch their way out of that coffin. And unless they want to be taken under, results like this do apply to what they need. Three points in the right direction. I know they haven't won many games. I think this is only their, what, third win of the season. I, I mean, it's not been great for Luis. I think he knows that. But this is a big result for him. They A lot of tackles in this game. Didn't have the best possession. Had one extra shot than, than Artie. It was kind of sloppy on, on uh, Porto's part. Artie looked like the same old Artie. Right? Dominate possession. Had more corners. Perfect shot accuracy. Um, passing accuracy you know, towards 85%. He beat him in literally almost every category. Yet, Luis walks away from this. This is a sign of a desperate team taking some chances, going for the games now. I hope this continues past this podcast, like next podcast. I want to be able to talk more about Porto. I obviously will talk about them in the standings, but like just this result alone, it's something fantastic. And uh, I'll round this up so that this is not too long, but just very quickly, LAFC losing again. They lose 1-0 to Liverpool. I Obviously, I ironically was talking to Joe on while we're both in playing the PlayStation, he was playing FIFA against Edison, and he was just talking to me about the game, and it, it was it was whatever. It was like he just felt like the whole game was in slow motion, and yes, I'm sure lag had something to do with that, according to Joe. But I'm not gonna be that quick to be that nice. I just feel like once again, there's still something that needs to be done here. Um, I say give it time because next month we could be seeing a different LAFC. Liverpool did get two big results, you know, in this, not just this podcast, but this last week. So ran into a team that does play some good defense. I'm going to knock off anything like that as far as LAFC goes. If there was lag, and I, I guess I have to trust Joe here, then okay. It explains why one person couldn't score and the other one did. Those things do happen. It's, it is hard to play with lag. I can't do it. I, I hate playing people with lag. So I can see that there. If there wasn't, though, I think we have to. We the questions still rain down for me, and I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk to Edison about this, like on our own. I really want to know what the ideology was, you know. And obviously, I won't share it 100% with you guys, but I am curious to see what this deal is about. If he really thinks this is gonna work, how is he gonna make it work, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways. We have two more results to talk about. Before I got home to record this wonderful podcast, Dortmund dropped another result. AC Milan 3, Dortmund 1. It's like we're seeing, you know, and I, I made that joke. I, I don't even know if it was a joke. I, I guess it was a statement more so about that we have tiers in D1 of talent. And obviously people are going to walk into different tiers. Some are going to combine because uh, the talent gap is going to shorten up. We're still seeing one from that 14, 15 spot down to everyone else. Uh, AC Milan and, and Tottenham have players that can really hurt you. BVB have that as well. But what I mean is they're not fully prepared for that, it seems, sometimes, that those guys can come out and really do damage. Uh, but AC Milan's a good team, and they, they definitely know what they're doing in this league now. Alejandro's figured things out. 
this is a good result for him. BVB, obviously, are going to have to turn it around next podcast when you guys hear from me because, as I'll get to in the standings, you're going to have to want to keep swinging unless you're okay with going down, which I don't think he is. Last result before I move on to the standings is Barcelona 3, Nacional 2. Um, listen, Evan is and will be and continue to be a very interesting team, right? Like, Atletico Nacional needed this victory, you know, that's obvious. I, I mean, no one needs to tell David that he needs to start winning games. Otherwise, he's at risk for being in those two playoff spots. He knows that. But as for Evan, he is really starting to shake up this race for the top eight in a very good way because now not only is Havertz and Zayek starting to find form, the whole team is starting to play together. And that was my biggest criticism of losing El Sharawe. Right? He lost 17-something assists, right? Like, he needs to replace it. How do you do that? Getting other people involved. It looks like Zayek is starting to take maybe the grunt of that work as far as the playmaker and the guy who's kind of working all over the place. Let's not forget the season that Havertz is having. He's still having a very elite season. You get credit for that. But at the same time, I, I know that they would like to see more. Um, you know, we'll see where this goes. Um it's it's gonna it's gonna be curious to me when he runs into other top people. He hasn't fared particularly well, but if he could keep continually beating up on the team's ten ten position and down, I do think that Barcelona could put themselves in the top eight positions. And before I get on to D two, let's catch you up on what's going on in the standings. Obviously, Roma are dead to all of us, especially Ryan. Uh, but in 19th is Newcastle with four points. Porto with eight, uh, in 18th with 12 points. Uh, Real Madrid, 22. Kashima, 23. Those two are currently in the playoff at the moment. However, they do have two games in hand. In this case, Real Madrid have three on Borussia Dortmund, who are in 15th with 25. Nasty now with 28 points. Milan with 23, a big victory uh, against, uh, excuse me, against Dortmund. Should help their cause. Uh, they will probably be on 32 if my math is correct. Dynamo, all the way up to 12th position. Uh, they obviously have 28 games played. They're going to really need uh, to kick it up a gear, though. But 10 wins on the year. Maybe start tying some games. Anything to get points, I think this point for HG does help. They're on 31 points. Tottenham with 32, obviously. Uh, they're trying to climb past Manchester United, who are on, or excuse, excuse me. Manchester United, who are on 25 games played, 37 points. Juventus just ahead on goal difference with 37 points as well with a game in hand. Let's move into the top eight with LAFC with 38 tied with Liverpool. Liverpool have the goal difference ahead by eight goals. Wolves with 43 points are in six. Lyon all the way down to fifth with 49 points. But they do have four games in hand on Barcelona. So do Wolves. And Liverpool have five on Barcelona, who currently sit fifth or fourth, excuse me. They now have 50 points on the year and are hoping to stay in that position. Like I said, they're going to shake things up with all these victories against this team's, you know, 10th position and below. It does help. Uh, Club America in third, they have 52 points, but 24 games played compared to Augsburg's 27, who have 58 points, and Chelsea, who are top of the table with 27 games as well. 70 points, and they are eight goals away from reaching 100 goals on the season. Now, I mean, the standings are what they are. We're, we're going to see Chris win the league, I think, at this point, unless Serge can, I mean, he can kind of make it close. I mean, the next three games, 
he can get what to 61 points if my math is correct 61 I think that can be possible but unfortunately the four losses that America have those are 12 points lost Chris has only lost one time and I think that's still going to continually be the marker right if no one could beat Chris and yes he ties once or twice a month but wins the rest of his games I just mathematically there's no way anyone's going to catch him you know, we have, what, 11 games left for Chris. Like, he he is still, or actually less, 9, because Roma's out. But it's getting closer if uh, Medica can win the games, right? Like, if Serge can win his games, I, I'll feel like we might have a title race here because Chris could still slip. Serge could win the rest of his games. It's possible. But the way it's been trending, I think uh, Chris Woody could pretty much write it in stone that he's going to win the double for this season. As for the rest of the top four, though, I like how this is shaking up. Santi's going to have to win. Yes, obviously, a point in his next game will push him past Barcelona. But what Evan's doing is scary. He's trying to mix up that top eight, top six area where we're starting to see some of the better teams. Honestly, if he ends up finishing fifth or sixth, I think Evan can look back at his season. I know his goal was to finish fifth. Everyone seems to be feeling that way. Uh, but he can look back at his season and be very happy with the amount of money he's going to bring in. But also at the same time, the fact of the matter is, he is going to stay in D1. And in his first year, he did very good, even with, you know, I would say some below average to average players. Besides, obviously, Zayek and Havertz. Now, before I move on from all of D1, this was brought up to me, and I won't say which producer brought it up, but one of them brought it up. About Newcastle. Now, I wasn't sure how I felt about bringing this up on the podcast because I'm usually very inquiry. You know, like, let me find out first. But, and I, and I, and I hope this is not the case. But I hope that Jake hasn't given up. You know, I know he plays his games. He, he's obviously played 23 of them. But we were looking at the loot in his bank account in this league and how much money he has saved up because we were just scouring stuff, you know, for this podcast. And I said, yeah, maybe I'll talk about it. Maybe I won't. 150 million euros is sitting in Newcastle United's bank. And maybe Jake stays around and we get him back or maybe he quits. If he stays, we're looking at someone who could possibly buy someone that can completely change the landscape of the way his team is or bring in six, seven players, maybe even a whole new team with that kind of money. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, he's probably going to go down to D2. I mean, that's going to happen if he stays around, of course. But what's going on with Newcastle? I, I'm curious to see what is going on there. I will, I'll gladly take some comments on that from the league. Like, that's not a problem with me. And if it's none of my business, that's fine, too. Like, I'm not here to overstep if something personal happened. I, I more so want to see where Jake is and what his thoughts are on in, in quitting. Because we've had, in the last couple of seasons, people who are finishing at the bottom of the table just quit. Um, you know, and that's, that's just the way it goes. Um, but in this case, what's going on? If he's not going to quit, he's going to go down D2, he's going to take it on the chin... What is this team going next to? I think that's more so what I'm interested in and more so less on the politics and everything else that goes on with our real lives in the sense that, you know, people have arguments and things like that, but it's none of our business at all. So I'm more so curious 
if anybody can hear from him or if he'd like to comment and listen to the podcast, please do. Please, please, please do. Because Newcastle United have been around this league for a very long time, very since, very much since from the beginning. Sat in that draft room when we did the first draft. And as someone who's was there as well, I would like to hear more from Jake. And unfortunately, I don't. Um, but I would like to see where he's taking this team, if he's staying around. And if he's not, well, maybe he'd like to announce that. Either way, let's take a break and we'll be back with D2 Roundup. Okay, guys, so very quickly about D2. And, and this is, uh, you know, I, I normally do pre-notes before I do it. And instead of just kind of wheeling and dealing the podcast, even though it does sound like that sometimes, and that's because I, I kind of try and improvise my notes way too often. There was only two results that I can actually talk to you about. Two of them both involved Manchester City. Um, so credit to Mike playing his games. That's all I got to say. I mean, Mike clearly gets it. Like, I'm going to play my games. I'm not having a great season. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this out. So he gets points for that because, you know, no one else wants to play in D2, it seems like. Especially, ironically, we have an incredible race going on down there. And maybe they've finished their games already. Uh, that's definitely possible. I know the schedule got really thin uh, with the... F- fact that Fluminense had quit early in the season so a lot of things have kind of thinned out especially with them not having a lot of teams already as it is and also the fact that the FA Cup was keeping D2 teams I think a little bit more in our regular news so very quickly Benfica 3 City 1 I think that was the main part of the result that I think we'll take from that besides obviously Gareth Bale being Gareth Bale again um you know Pavon and Konate who got two goals in this game um, they, they do their thing. Listen, Jalant is on the outside looking in in this f- race for the fifth spot, you know, that last place in the playoff. This is a good result. You know, since I'm talking about results today, this is a good one. Um, for City, this is a little bit more of, let's just get through the season. Um, Gareth Bale's clearly our talisman, and we can build something around him. Listen, he's, he's 29, 30 years old. FIFA-wise, you're going to have him for at least two, three seasons in real life, which can translate to three, four here in our league. So I would try and keep him around, maybe build something around him. Yes, the money from D2 isn't going to be that significant, but I do believe that Manchester City have a future. And I believe that the way they look at this team and the times I've talked talk to Mike, um, just since he's changed his philosophy, um, I think he has a belief that he's going to improve this team and therefore improve his chances of going up to D1. Now, speaking of a team that's also improving along with Manchester City, Atlanta United 1, City 1, Ocampo scoring for United, Bale again scoring for City, Dost getting the assist with Yanazai getting the assist for Atlanta United. Now, Mike has been a very curious squad over the season with Benteke in the goal race. He didn't get one here in this game, but having another guy that's up there with the assist battle, and this is a little sneaky team down there in Atlanta, right? Mike has done a little bit of improving as the seasons have gone on. Obviously, kind of going to be interesting as far as when we preview D2 next season. You know, I, I mentioned this to... Uh, to my producer Joey, and it's gonna be curious when we preview those D two teams after the window ends. Um, you know, the off season window ends. What kind of team are we gonna look at with Atlanta United? Now, Man City. I kind of get the feeling that we're gonna see a lot of more young, developed players or developing players come into the team, and they're gonna kind of grow while Mike tries to add pieces here and there. 
you kind of get that feeling, right? You, you got Garrett Bale there. You got a couple other guys that kind of are professionals, right? They, they're good professionals. That's what I see Mike doing. Or I should explain what City's Michael's doing, right? That's what I expect him to do. As far as Atlanta United's Mike, I'm very curious. You look at the formula that his brother Ronnie's used, and it's just to pester the other teams, trying to score as much as you can. Pacey, uh, very creative players in the attack, try and get you to make mistakes. That's obviously worked for Ronnie. Can the same formula work for Mike? Yes, it can. D2 is a wild west, basically, of teams. It's whoever is going to win the shootout sometimes is going to get it done. Whoever can hold it up the four better can, is going to get it done. We see that with Celtic. We see that with, obviously, Young Boys. But obviously, you want to be good at everything. I'm curious to see where this team goes in the future. I'm looking forward to this offseason. I'm looking to talking to each of these managers as we get ready uh, for the next season. Obviously, that's a ways away. But for D2, next season, and at least for these two teams, next season couldn't start any earlier because they want a fresh start. They want new players coming in. They know what's going to happen right now in this season. But pretty fair result. I think both these teams are fairly even. They're in similar spots in the table. Um, And obviously, they're not in this top five race or battle. But I do like to see, and I'm very curious, how these teams are going to improve as we tilt over to next season. Sadly, that's it for D2. Like, I I wish I had more for you guys. I genuinely wish I had more for you. In that case, I'm just going to talk more about D1 on this D2 segment, and it's not something I normally do. Um, And I didn't really want to criticize this guy, you know, as we jump back to D1. And if I was, like, recording myself doing this, like, I mean, with video, I would have a little display where we jump back into talking about D1, but I don't. So I have to over-explain. Regardless, how have we lost this temperament of the title race? Right? Like, I, I thought, you know, obviously when the season starts, everyone has a chance. But, like, after the first two months, we had, like, six, seven teams. Like, they're right there. You know, just they're, they couldn't hold on. But the one team I'm surprised is not there, and I criticized them at, you know, at the end of the transfer window of not doing enough, Santi's Leone. Losing to Augsburg, I thought was the nail in the coffin, to be honest with you. I, I didn't care for that loss all too much, right? Like, you lose 3-2 to someone else's in the top four, you're kind of like, all right, cool. Like, that's just the way the game works. You know, and there's still a lot in the line, don't get me wrong, but you, you kind of can understand a little bit more. Because just won the league last year by a point. So, like, it's, it's still within the realm of possibility that we have more to it. Right, like there's still more to come from both these teams. But then they met and it didn't go well. Chelsea five, Leon nil. I like I, I didn't want to talk about this I, I at all. Like I just I feel like this is the death of the season. You know, and and everyone's I mean, I kind of foreshadowed it, you know, with how certain things for Santi were working and others weren't when he was winning the league and dominating and how at some point those things are gonna run out. But the defense wasn't one of those things where I was like, yeah, Santi doesn't have that. Because I think he does. And, you know, and more to my point, there's been two of his defenders to make. Or, excuse me, one, and Jimenez has made Team of the Month three times this year. There's been an absolute dominance from this defense at some point this season. And now it's gone. And I don't know what that's about. Because every time I try to talk to managers... 
and I haven't talked to Santi about this, to, to, to be fair, but every time I try to talk to managers and you guys explain to me what's going on with your teams, there's an avoidance of some sort. And I really hope when I get the chance to talk to Santi this coming week about what's going on, if he's given up on winning the title, you know, like what, where does this team go from here? Like if you don't think you're going to win it this year, that's fine. I, I kind of can understand with Chris having such a dominant season, you could kind of ignore that. Witty is not going to do this forever in the sense that he's not going to be winning 5-0 against his title rival. It's just not going to happen. But at some point, you have to still question the teams around Chelsea, regardless of how dominant they've been. We're looking at two other, uh, excuse me, three other teams that just flat out, they, they faltered when they played you know, Chelsea. The only team to beat Chelsea this year is, is Club America. And guess what they did? They lost. They lost the game. They stopped all their momentum. You know, they had a chance to keep this title race really close. They let it slip already. They let it slip as it is. Now, Lyon can't not stop Chelsea, not even with the tie. And Augsburg gets walked out of the park as well. There is a gap in, in talent only in the physical playing of FIFA. Not on the talent on the field. You know, don't get me wrong, I've been mightily unimpressed with Messi this year and the usage of Messi, and I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe the teams have adjusted to him, but something has to change, and I hope it does, because come the end of the season, we're going to all talk about this. You know, whether it's pre-production work and before we do a podcast, or I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, and everyone's going to have an opinion about this title race and how we're going to look back on it for each individual team, or, or this season, should I say, and how we look back on it. You didn't win a title, what are you going to do about it? You didn't make top four, what are you going to do about it? And it's going to be very curious to hear what Santi has to say about not only falling out of the title race, but now he could possibly fall out of the top four, and that will hurt your seeding come FA Cup. Obviously, that's probably not a big deal to Santi compared to other managers who might want that, but the money. Got 20 mil from a Tweety. What else has to come from this team? You know, Douglas Costa's been the best player all season. Yes, Messi's heated up a little bit recently, but that's not enough to kind of garner all our focus to that one guy. I mean, it's kind of been disappointing, to be honest with you, that we don't have two, three teams fighting for a title. And I, I mean, I, maybe my expectation is just too high. Either way, there's still going to be questions for Lyon come off season because I just feel that Somebody's kind of taking their foot off the gas pedal, thinking that they're just going to show up and beat people, and that hasn't really been the case. All right, so let's end this podcast with some lighter news. Obviously, you know, I talked about D1 and D2, but let's talk about some real-life news that's going on currently. The early game of the Champions League, obviously, we have the big one with PSG and Real Madrid coming up in just a few minutes of me recording this. I'm trying to get this out so that I can watch the game. Uh, but Tottenham 2, Olympiacos 2. Now, it was a ridiculous goal by Lucas in that first half. Um, but long story short, that's the, the only real game, I guess, that's on right now. Uh, but that's where they're at, 2-2. Um, like I said, PSG and Real Madrid later. Um, that's the game I think everyone's going to want to watch. I think also, it, I mean, if it's on, I don't understand TNT's whole thing of how they have the the way their channels are set up. I don't quite get it yet. They only have one game on uh, on their BR Live thing. You have to buy it. It's kind of a trashy move on their part by TNT and Turner Sports. But regardless, 
If you get the chance to watch this other game, it's the Juventus and Atletico uh, Madrid. That's also the one you want to watch. Um, it's going to be curious to how they do. I am going to be, like I said, I'm going to be active on Instagram while the games are going on. So I hope you guys are involved as well. If not, I'm sure you guys will see him later in the day. Um, but let's get to some actual news. Um, apparently, Chelsea missed a penalty this week or something like that. Um, it's not something I'm particularly too happy about. I'm fully actually excited about, to be honest with you. Just like Manchester United, Chelsea kind of having some issues apparently now with the whole penalty taking. They are, I watched that part of the game, ironically, um, and I honestly thought Ross Barkley had the right mentality. I felt like Barkley um, said, I got this. Like, I, I can do this. And apparently, according to Frank Lampard, after the game, he was like, okay, he's our penalty taker. No, that's in the, dis- in the discussion. Nothing else really on tap there. Uh, and I think, I think Frank's got the right attitude about it, too. Like, okay, he missed one. Let's move on. But he misses, hits the bar, goes over. Valencia gets the W, winning 1-0. We'll see where this goes for Chelsea. I, I wouldn't be too confident as a Chelsea fan. They haven't been particularly that great just yet in the league. Uh, but that's why you play five more games coming up, right? They get six total games to really show us if they deserve to move on. They definitely will improve as the season goes on. I just don't think in the Champions League is where we're going to see that improvement. News out of Manchester United, they signed Victor Lindelof until June of 2024, and I know some Manchester United fans are not really going to want to hear that, uh, but that's, according to ESPN, that's the length of the deal. Um, very curious, because I don't know if you guys watch Sky Sports or anything like that, but Jose Mourinho, after a very good game from Lindelof, um, said, I told you so. You know, I told you basically this guy can defend like that, and then obviously a lot of comments from people were, well, you certainly didn't have him playing that well. Um, so I think that Manchester United are turning the right way with, uh, with Ali a little bit. But, I, I mean, they're trying to sign all this, these guys back, and I know they're trying to increase their transfer value and all this other stuff, release clauses, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think Lindelof can develop into that great of a player to a Manchester United legend or anything like that, or even a very good player for Manchester United. I think he's okay. And um, just kind of like Rashford, Rashford's making a ton of money. Like, these guys haven't proven anything yet. Yeah, they're at the highest level right now, but they're not playing very well at this high level. It's not like Manchester United are in the top four right now. Um, I know they're higher than my Arsenal, so I really can't say that much. Uh, But they're still an okay team, and I'm very curious to see how that goes and plays out, uh, just kind of like really anything else. Um, but I guess that's all I really got for you. I don't want to sit here and talk about real-life news. Obviously, go check out those Ronaldo comments on how he deserves more balloon to oars. Something about whining a lot. I, I'm, I'm assuming he's whining. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a problem. He's never, you know, it's always about him or Messi or someone. It, it's, it becomes very bland after a while hearing about it for so long. Anyways, thank you guys once again for listening to this wonderful podcast. And if you totally like it and, and or hate it, just let me know at San Pedro FIFA League on Instagram. I, like I said, I will be constantly on there later. There is going to be some polls for you guys to vote on. I'm going to do more than one thing. Obviously, there's some other stuff we've discussed in our pre-production meetings. And even if they're very insignificant talks, they're good discussions once we get on the podcast. That being said, none of them are there to hate on anyone. These are just open discussions. We can change our minds on people. We can be wrong about people. That's one of my favorite things about this podcast. 
As for now, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys participate, by the way, in the polls. I, you'll hear from me next week.